life has its share of difficulties and one great promise that we have through His Word is that nothing touches us without first passing through the hands of God. That God is in charge. That God does have a plan. That God is able to care for us. This is First Peter 5, 6, and 7. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. As we humble ourselves under God's mighty hand, there is a protection there regardless of what we face. And that we know that He, we can cast our cares on Him and find hope. You know, we think of some of the devastating things faced in the Scriptures. Of course, I can't help but think of Job and all the pain that he faced. And although at the end of all of his suffering, God blessed him, there would always be that pain of, of children that died and, and, and loss that had happened. And yet he was able to look back and say, in spite of it all, God is there. And that life is about trusting Him and obeying Him and walking with Him. There's confidence there. It says in Job chapter 1 verse 21, The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Victor Falkel was a guy who had spent time in a German concentration camp during World War II. And he wrote a book about that suffering and that struggle. And he had a, he had a sentence um, in his book that really struck home. He said, we can handle the what as long as we have a why. There is part of us that needs to know the why. Why is this occurring? Why is this happening? And it's really tough when we don't know the why. I heard about a couple of guys that they wanted to start their own business. And they loved bungee jumping. They also liked to go down to Mexico. And they said, you know... Al and Joe got to talking. They said, you know, guys, I haven't seen any place to bungee jump down where we like to go in Mexico. Why don't we start our own bungee jumping business down there? So they get all the stuff that they need. They go down to a spot in Mexico. They start building a tower, attaching their bungee cord, getting ready for business. And this large crowd gathers around as they build their tower, as they prepare to start their bungee jumping and... and uh, Guy gets hooked up. It's time for a demonstration. So Al hooks Joe up. And then he jumps. And he comes up. And he, he's, he's hurting. He can't figure out quite what's going on. And Al doesn't catch him. And he goes back down. Next time he comes up, he's actually bleeding. And he's obviously he's bruised. Al misses him again. He goes down one more time. This time he comes up, he's messed up. I mean, he's got a couple broken bones. Blood, but this time Al catches him. He says, "What in the world happened? What's wrong?" He said, "Is the is the cord too long?" He said, "What's the problem?" And says, "I don't know for sure, but what is a pinata?" <laughs> Best to maybe explain a little bit before we... <laughs> you know the why, the why. Sometimes. Uh, well, it may feel like a pinata, <laughs> getting hit, getting beaten, and not understanding exactly what's going on. As you look at the Apostle Paul, he opens up here, and he refers to himself as a prisoner. 
Now, he is in a jail, and he is, he is suffering not for committing a crime, not for breaking a, a law that we would cons- consider a crime, but because of Christ. And he sees clearly that he is not a prisoner of Rome. He's a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And he's a prisoner for the sake of the Gentiles as God is at work. And there are three reasons here that he gives explaining the why for the what of the suffering here. The first, he, it's, it's a logical answer here. <laughs> here he is, he's a, a Jewish mouth proclaiming a Gentile message that God is not exclusive, He's inclusive, that He has a heart for all people to come together and to find a common shared hope and salvation through Jesus Christ. And that did not set well with the Jewish audience. And so it should not be a shock that he ends up in jail because of that. And then second reason that we're able to look at now is would Paul have had enough time to pen these letters that are Scripture to us? He's a busy guy doing his missions, being faithful to preach. But would he have the time to sit down and, and, and to write these letters to that inspiration to be able to, to send out. And, and why that time he was in jail, a time that s- seemed like a terrible time, it was a time that God would work through the Apostle Paul to give us the Scriptures. These several letters that we love, the book of Philemon, Colossians, Ephesians, and Philippians, written in prison. And then a third reason, I love this, God was still carrying out the Gospel through Paul even while he said around his enemies. You know, I often think it, you know, he was he was chained to this guard in prison, but who was really chained? Who was really trapped? As Paul shared the gospel, as he preached to his guards, as he had this incredible attitude. He wasn't defeated. He wasn't beaten, but he had a hope in Christ Jesus and he had a passion. And he, he shared that in such a way it made such a difference. Uh, I love this in verse twelve. Um, of chapter 1. Notice here, back at the start here. He says, In order that we who were the first hope in Christ might be for the praise of His glory. And as he talks about the praise of His glory being shared. And then in 4.22, as he's, um, we see His purpose, His work, He... Um, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. As he is at as he is at work, he's at work to see those who were um, part of the household of Caesar come to him. Section of scripture in here that he he actually greet he brings greetings to those who are in the household of Caesar who have come to Christ. Can can you imagine those who were against the message of Jesus, but they saw this little crazy man that shared Christ and had such an impact that others were coming to know the Lord personally, that were being changed. And God was doing a work in the most unlikely of places through Paul. Let's look at the Revelation 
of the mystery here. Several times here in chapter 3, four times uh, I counted in those first few verses where the word mystery is used. Now, a mystery that's a special revelation revealed to Paul. It's not something he figured out. It was revealed to him. Now, we don't know exactly where that happened. Maybe it was in Lystra when he was stoned, when he was left for dead. Maybe it was at that point that God revealed himself in a special way to Paul. I don't know the exact place, for it's not revealed to us the exact place, but in 2 Corinthians 12 it talks about him seeing a third heaven. It talks about that being opened up and, and he's able to see God in a, a supernatural way. Uh, regardless of where it occurred, guys, it did occur to the Apostle Paul. And the word mystery here is not like we think of mystery, something that baffles the mind, something that cannot possibly be understood, but rather the word mystery here speaks about a secret that once was hush-hush, close to our understanding, but now there's an open understanding. It's been shared now it's known. It's no longer hidden, but other people are able to see the secret. As now we are made aware of the secret. That is the word that's shared here. And what's the secret? The secret is that Christ has brought together all types of people. That Christ has taken those who were once on the outside and He's brought them on the inside through His work. That's the mystery. That's the work that's done. And Paul says that it, it, it was not made known to men in other generations as it's been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. He says that this mystery of the gospel, verse 6, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. No matter your background, no matter which side of the tracks you were born on, no matter the color of your skin, no matter your culture, in Jesus Christ, you become part of the family. And that was the revelation that was given to Paul. The Jews and the Gentiles, although they were different in their backgrounds, their beliefs, their, their customs, Jesus brought them all together. And you know, today as we think about that, often we're separated by racial discrimination. And one easy way for us to see that is through the color of people's skin. Um, you know, I heard uh, part of a message of Joel Osteen the other day. I've never heard Joel Osteen speak. But this message, he was talking about racism. And he made the point that skin, the color of our skin, it's really only one-sixteenth of an inch thick, that section of our body. And yet that separates us, that one-sixteenth of an inch. But he said one thing, even though that one-sixteenth of an inch may be different shades of skin, of color, when you cut, no, when you cut anybody that we all bleed red, we all share the same color, blood. And it was the blood of Christ that brings us together, guys, regardless of those differences. Um, he also shared something I had heard before, but I'd never written it down. I got it written down, but this is from a, a black guy in Texas. I love this. He wrote this. He says, uh, When I born, I black. When I grow up, I black. When I go in sun, I get blacker. 
When I cold, I black. When I scared, I black. When I sick, I black. And when I die, I still be black. You white folks, when you born, you pink. When you grow up, you white. When you go in sun, you red. When you cold, you blue. When you scared, you yellow. When you sick, you green. When you bruised, you purple. And when you die, you gray. So who you calling colored folks? <laughs> Jesus tore down the barriers. And He brought us all together regardless of the differences we have. We share Christ. This is the, the mystery that God had made known through the Apostle Paul. The people with the different backgrounds. He wanted to tell them that we're all level at the foot of the cross. And, and that's the church. And, and that's the mystery made known to this apostle. And he was called to share. Now, the declaration of that ministry. Um, I want you to notice here in verse 7 as he speaks about it. He says, I became a servant of the gospel. Paul didn't seek out the task to become a servant of the gospel. To become the messenger of this great mystery revealed that Jesus saves all regardless of the differences. He brings all people together at the foot of the cross. He didn't seek out to do that. God sought Him out. God called Him. God was the hound of heaven that went chasing after Paul. And, and you know, Paul wasn't into Paul. Matter of fact, if you look at what he says about himself... He says, I was the, the mostest of all sinners and the leastest of all apostles. But Jesus came through. Jesus is the one who personally went after Paul, who, who personally found him and who personally chose him for the job of sharing the message of Christ and, and making it clear what God wants to do, how He wants to forgive and the work that He, he has. His heart... Paul shared that. You know the extent of how God wants that message made known. He says, verse 8, Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. It's called to make this wonderful truth plain to everyone. Which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authority in the heavenly realms. According to His eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, he's saying, this is to be made known everywhere. And not just here, in the heavens. Now, what, what is he talking about there beyond this earth, beyond people? I think he's talking about angels. Now, you think about it, angels are divine and angels are spectacular in, in, in the glory that God has given to them to be His messengers. But angels don't know about salvation. Angels don't know the depths of what can happen to be in sin and to be trapped and to be lost. And angels don't know the joys and the glories that follow because of Jesus' death on the cross and what we experience when we receive it, the being set free and the salvation that occurs. And I think what he's saying here, there are angels that are sitting down there watching and they're saying, what in the world is going on? 
What a glorious thing. And, and they just don't quite get it or understand it because it's outside of the realm of their experience. And as they look, they're able to see that there's something special going on, something supernatural that although God had created them in an amazing manner, we are set apart as the apple of His eye. That before the foundation of the world, the Lamb of God was slain. And they're able to watch that. And I, I can just see, you know, see them talking. What in the world is that about? What is, what is going on? And as Paul is able to share, God wants that known even to those heavenly beings. How much salvation means to Him and how awesome and how glorious it is for people to be saved and to find mercy. Just a clinic being held for them to watch from afar. <laughs> Celebration. That once we were lost, but now we are found through the work of Christ. And there's an application here, guys, uh, to be shared as I come to the end of this thing. Um, as you look down here in verse 12, he says, In Him and through faith in Him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. As Paul shares in this place of suffering, He's thinking about Jesus. He says, being in Jesus. Faith in Jesus. There is opportunity to approach God and to do it with a freedom and confidence. Paul, who saw himself as the greatest of all sinners and the leastest of all apostles, says, even so, when I come through Jesus Christ, in Him and through faith in Him, man, I can come with a confidence. And I can come with a freedom because of Jesus. And, and this is Paul's heart and this encouragement and application that we too can gain out of it. And then he comes in that last verse. He says, I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. He's reminded, you know, the Father, He, he came up with this plan and the Son implemented the plan and the Spirit of God empowered the plan and we're able to receive the plan through Calvary. And he says, don't be discouraged. He says, I'm, I know there's suffering here, but God's got a plan for your glory. God's at work. And guys, we, we often don't understand it and we can't see it. We just know it ends in Christ. Um, I read the illustration of a guy that, uh, when he was in heaven, there were all these, uh, quilt squares. And that represented a person's life. And there was an angel set aside for those people that were around. And he was putting together, sewing together the squares. And they represented the life of a person. There were some of beautiful various colors and shades were beautiful. But there were some squares that were threadbare. That were so worn that you didn't think the thread would even hold together. And the guy said he was embarrassed as he looked at his own quilt being woven together because so much of it had huge holes in it. And it was so threadbare, he thought, man, my life must be really worthless here. There's not much to show. But as it was finished and as the angels held it up, an amazing thing happened. Has God, the face of Christ, shone through the quilt Uh, it says here, light flooded the many holes, creating an image. 
the face of Christ. Then our Lord stood before me with warmth and love in his eyes. He said, every time you gave over your life to me, it became my life, my hardships, my struggles. Each point of light in your life is when you stepped aside and let me shine through until there was more of me than there was of you. (laughs) So may our old worn out lives simply be a place for the light of Christ to shine through more. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, this morning being able to look at Paul and his struggle that was actually an opportunity, Father, for you to share the message that you want all people to come together, not to be apart. Lord, it's a message we still cling to today, Lord. We all have different backgrounds. We come from different homes and families and places. But we share a common need for forgiveness that you have met at Calvary. And Father, I just pray this morning, Lord, that we would examine where we are and that we would run to you wherever that may be to find forgiveness, to come home to be reunited in your family and maybe specifically here at Kingsway is this section of your family. Lord, uh, we just need to hear from you, God, and I pray in this time we call invitation or response, Lord, that your spirit would just speak and that we would respond. So, Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.